0: morning. Um, I don't have an outline. I don't have sermon notes. I don't have any of that stuff. Um, so if it's a little bit scattered, that's just how it's going to be. So um, we are going to take a look at Matthew chapter 5, um, verse 1. Um, so every every system of man, every our own systems, our own personal systems that work in our life, they're all governed on the principle of what is the good life and how do we get it? And Jesus understands that, and he comes in with the Beatitudes, and he's telling us what the good life really is and how we really get it. And um, he opens up the, the Sermon on the Mount with this with this phrase. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And that, um, how many, how many have you heard that in the latest advertisement or newsflash, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit. (laughs) It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't get put out there because it's, it, it goes against the kingdom of man. The kingdom of man is that we're good enough. We're capable. We have our ways to fix ourselves. Thank you. Um, but God's like, no, 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 no. Jesus, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And in that sentence, he opens up the kingdom to everybody. Because everybody is poor in spirit. No matter how religious you are, no matter how drugged up you are, everybody is poor in spirit and he says you're blessed but not just because you're poor in spirit it's not just because you're, you're, you're poor that you're blessed it's because you because your poverty or because you understand your poverty now the kingdom of heaven is open to you that's why you're blessed if you're poor in spirit and so the problem is we, we know we're supposed to be poor in spirit right? oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to be poor in spirit how do I look poor in spirit? <laughs> how do i how do i uh, how do i make this look right for everybody so they think i'm born spirit and i've done that in my life a lot and some of it's just a defense mechanism it's you know self-protection you know like you put these fronts on it's, it's adam's fig leaf it's our own version of adam's fig leaf right so we we put up in, in in a religious context it looks like performing pretending I'm giving people what they want to see. But really, when you strip away that, we're all left on the same level ground of being poor in spirit. And that's the that, that's, that's key. That's the foundation that Jesus lays. That first verse is the foundation that Jesus lays for the entire sermon. And if you don't get that foundation right, none of it works. Now, you can try to make it work. You can try to go through the, the Sermon on the Mount and say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what Jesus says. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. You turn it into law. And then what that does, when you turn the Sermon on the Mount into law, when you turn, when you turn Jesus' teaching from the Spirit to the law, you break yourself on it. And that's, that's, I guess that's fine, because then that takes you back to the first verse, and it makes you face it. It makes you face it. It makes you face the fact that you're poor in spirit. And then there, the door opens for you. So it's like this thing, like, okay, you don't have to, you don't have to, listen, you don't have to listen to it now, but you're going to come to a place where this isn't the only way in. And that's where Jesus starts, and that's where we all have to start. You have to strip away the religious goodness. You have to strip away all the the, the ways that we prop ourselves up before other people. You have to you have to be done with it. And it's it's a it's an ugly process because Jesus talks about it later on. He talks about the tower. You know, it's like if you if you hear these words of mine and don't do them, you're like a man who built his house on a foundation of sand. And when the storm comes, the foundation, the house gets wiped away because it's not on a good foundation. And that's the same idea here: is that, I was looking at that. I forgot. Anyway, the, um, but yeah, that's the key in. That is literally the key in. So until you, until you get past, until you get past, until you not just get past, until you, until it hits your heart. Until Matthew chapter 5 verse 1 hits your heart, nothing else works. Um, Yeah, so we're going to move on to a different section now. And we are going to take a look at 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 22. And it says, Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of a perishable seed, but of an imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass and all its glory is like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. So the only way we can actually purify our souls is by obeying truth. Not listening to the truth. Not memorizing the truth, but letting the truth penetrate our hearts and expose the the blackness and the darkness that's inside of us. And, you know, last last, um, I'm, I'm I'm the I'm the ideal Pharisee. You could say I'm I'm you know you know what I'm saying. Like, I think you can understand that. Like, I'm I'm kind. You know, all this stuff, you know, I'm pleasant. My personality has this, has a way of fitting in. You know, all these things that are like tick, 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 tick. Good condition, good condition, good condition, good condition. And I use that. I use that. And God was just in the business of cleaning me up. And he used a close relationship in my life, family, a family relationship in my life, to expose the honest darkness that was in my heart. Because in 1 John it says, it doesn't just say if you hate, it says if you don't love, you don't know God. It's a pretty high standard. That's pretty shockingly high. And if you don't love your brother whom you've seen, you don't love God whom you haven't seen. And so God was in the process of just, just, I don't know, taking the, taking the figlies away. Just one after the other gone, 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 gone. This is your true character. This is your true heart attitude. You know, bam, 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 bam. Like, oh, this hurts. This hurts. Ah. And and it did hurt. And, um, it was, it was hard. But that, that light, that, that light of God, when it shines into your heart, it's going to burn you. And then it's going to warm you. You know, it's, it's going to, it's going to, it's going to be uncomfortable. Um. But then, then you start to be transformed, and it's a beautiful thing. Um, and He started that work in me, that transformation. Because um, I mean, think about it. Like, I could have gone on for years with this, you know, and justify this and justify that, and and, and make excuses for my my attitudes, and my sins, and my true heart heart attitude toward my toward my brother um but he's like i'm not i I care about you too much mercy to let you (laughs) to let you stay there so he does he does he really does care about us like that and it's it's painful but yeah he he... so anyway back to the verse having purified your souls by obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love so you're not going to be loving anybody sincerely until you've obeyed the truth that's just how it is until you've Until by obeying the truth, you have now the ability to love sincerely. Because until you obey the truth, until you let God's word expose that darkness in you, your love is going to be corrupted by self. Um, It's going to be corrupted by self. And that's, that's what Peter's getting at here. He's like, hey, guys, don't think you can love each other sincerely. You can love each other with pretense and all that, but don't think you can love each other sincerely until you've obeyed the truth. And you just can't. You can't. So the truth, um, that's a big. That's a big one. Oof. Anyway. So. And since you have been born again, not of a perishable seed, but of an imperishable, through the living and abiding Word of God, so. Back to the Sermon on the Mount. People are going to tell you that, your brokenness. Your, your problems are going to be able to be fixed by either psychology or self-help. And you may be able to eradicate some symptoms with those methods, but you're never going to strike at the root. You're never going to strike at the root. And that's, that, that's the thing. Men are obsessed with dealing with the symptoms of their sin. That's what all this stuff is structured around. And God is very committed to dealing with the root. And it's the most painful thing. It's the most painful thing. Um, so blessed are the poor in spirit. That's our understanding, our true poverty before God, not just understanding that, yeah, okay, I'm not so great with relationships. Okay, yeah, I'm, I have some social skills that need development. Okay, yeah, um, I have some psychological issues. Okay, yeah, like all these things, right? Um, and Jesus, Jesus is like, hey, no, you're blessed if you understand your essential poverty. Not just that you're not so great, but that you're actually poor before God. So, yeah, these are just some of the things, this is just some of the things God's been showing me. He's been working in me. And I'm not, I'm not, you know, this is just how it, how it is, so. And then, you know, you go through the rest of the Beatitudes. Um, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Uh, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the, those who are hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Um, yeah, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for they should do the kingdom of heaven. Now, there's a big difference between being persecuted for righteousness' sake and being persecuted because you're religious and annoying. Big difference. <laughs> big difference. Um, so, and this is the thing, like, uh, this all just kind of clicks together. But yeah. And there's a story that um, that I read in Mark that I want to share with you guys. I love this story. Mark. So here it goes. Um, it says Jesus heals blind Bartimaeus. And they came to Jericho. And as he was, this is in Mark 10, um, 46. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples, a great crowd, and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped. I love that sentence. Jesus stopped. I just love that story, especially when it says, you know, Jesus. I mean, so Bartimaeus, okay, obviously you can't see, and everybody else around you can. You're going to pick up on that eventually. Like, okay, I'm missing something here, <laughs> and Bartimaeus understood that. He's like, I'm missing something, um, obviously. So when he heard that it was Jesus, and obviously the rumors spread about what Jesus could do and what he was capable of, and Bartimaeus is like, This is my chance. This is my chance. So he began to cry out, right? And the crowds were like, Stop, stop, don't do it. You, don't, he, you know, he doesn't care about you. You're not significant. Your life is not going to produce anything valuable. Just stay in the ditch. And he wouldn't stop. His faith was set on Jesus because he understood what Jesus was capable capable of. He he understood that him and himself wasn't capable to open his eyes. But he understood that he needed sight. He needed something. He needed it, and he knew Jesus had it. So he kept going. He kept persisting in it. And that's, um, so, you know, he, you know, he persisted through the crowd. We have different types of crowds, you could say. The type of, obviously, a type of public opinion, that's a crowd. There's the crowd of your own um, confused heart. That's kind of a crowd sometimes. So You've got to push through that in faith. There's the crowds, you know, what are the what are kind of crowds, what's crowding you out? What's, what, what's pressing in on you, keeping you from crying after Christ? And push through it in faith because there's good things on the other side. So he says he kept crying out, and many rebuked him, telling him, "You know, be silent." But he cried out all the more, "Son of David, have mercy on me!" And Jesus stopped. That's just it shows you the, the, like a busy man. He's a busy man, right? So he he he's walking on his way. He's he's on his way to Jericho. Oh, no, they came to Jericho. He was going to Jericho. You anyway, know, he's 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 on business. He's got a mission, and he he takes his time to stop when he hears that cry, when he hears that cry of. Hey, I can't see here. I can't, Jesus, I can't see. I need your help. Um, I'm lost. I'm, I'm confused. My relationships are broken. I'm, I'm, I don't know what my purpose is. I, you know, when he hears that cry of our heart, and not just the, you're not just the, um, not just the stuff we know we're supposed to say because it's nice and cute and, and we pick it up from the people around us. But when it really comes from the depths of our heart, Jesus hears those things and he stops. He pays attention to that his attention to that. So take up, um, he's, he said, call him. So they called the blind man saying to him, take heart, get up. He's calling you. And throwing off his cloak, his, I, you know, I don't know, if I probably could infer that was, you know, an identity issue. And he threw off his cloak and he's like, um, he sprang up and came to Jesus and Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And that's a question we all have to ask. What do you really want? What do you really want? Do you want, do you want the praise of men? Do you want, what do you want? What's, what's really... And I'm not saying that to, to point fingers. I'm just saying that you, to understand the cry of your heart. And this man's heart cry was so he could see. Let me recover my sight. And it's almost an insulting question. Like, really? Why do you think I'm here? Um, <laughs> but Jesus asks that because he wants us to, to express... And, and not, not, not only just express, but in expressing, showing confidence that he can do it. So what, what is it that you want Christ to do for you? Put it out there. Test him. Um, and he says, Jesus said, him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. one more thing this is the last thing so a tree and its fruit for no tree uh, this is in Luke 6 chapter 43 and um, verse 43 no good tree bears bad fruit and, uh, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit for each tree is known by its fruit for, for figs are not gathered from thorn bushes nor are grapes picked from a bramble um, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose and the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who has has built his house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. And... You know, in his kindness God um He brings storms, and he tests our foundations and and um you pretty quickly find out have you built your house on the the rock of truth or have you built your house on falsehood and pretense and all those things that don't really hold up when reality hits and that's just how it goes um so when reality hits um, i guess I guess all I'm saying is um we got to be honest with ourselves enough to say, "Am I actually, am I actually believing the truth?" Because we know that we know that we can believe the verbal truth. It's not hard to believe the verbal truth. I, I, it's just not. We know the correct, the the correct doctrine, the correct theology. Um, we can we can do the emotionalistic stuff if we have to. Um, um, it's not hard to do that kind of truth. But it is really hard to do the kind of truth that searches your heart and. It's really hard to do the kind of truth, to obey the kind of truth that that points out, um, just points us out, exposes our true character. That's the truth that will build your house on a a firm foundation. That's the type of, it's not just, it's the obedience to the truth. That's the truth that will build your house on a firm foundation. It's not the hearing of the truth, which is what I've done most of my life. Not just the hearing of the truth, it's the obedience to the truth. And that is going to, um, that's going to require more um a lot more that's going to require a lot more um letting go of yourself than you can imagine and um but there's life in it there's life in it and that's all i have